Today's sermon is um, called In Spite of Love. In Spite of Love. And the text is this story from Luke's Gospel, the seventh chapter, beginning with verses 36 and all the way through verse 50. You know, Hillary and I have been watching this television show recently, and I won't embarrass myself by telling you what the name of it is. Uh, but one of the many storylines in, in this television show that we've been watching is this boyfriend and girlfriend have hit this kind of rough spot in their relationship. And uh, really the rough spot in the relationship is because uh, the girlfriend found out that her boyfriend had been holding hands with a friend who was not his girlfriend. And, and so you can imagine she was not happy to find that out, and lots of people knew about it. And so they had this very difficult conversation. And the reality is, is that uh, she wanted to reconcile with her boyfriend because they'd been invited to this party uh, later on, and, and she knew that everybody there was aware of this friend that was not the girlfriend that he was holding hands with, and she wanted them to think that, okay, we've worked our stuff out, we are still a couple, we are still going strong, and, and so it came time for the party, and, and, and the two of them are there, and then the friend who was not the girlfriend showed up at the party, and this did not make the girlfriend happy at all. And throughout the whole episode, she was asking herself, why is she here? And I couldn't help but think about that as I was reading this text this morning and this past week. Uh, Simon the Pharisee is throwing a party and he's got a bunch of people that he's invited to be there. But some uninvited people have showed up, including one particular woman. And I'm guessing that at some point, Simon Peter said the same thing that this woman in the show that we're watching said, what is she doing here? Why is she here? Um, now, to be fair, to be sure, in, in Jesus' day, it was a much more common occurrence for uninvited people to show up at parties, especially if there was going to be a conversation between uh, public figures and religious leaders. And, and these uninvited people would often come in, even if it was someone's home, even if it was a dinner party. And scholars say that they would just kind of line the walls of the home, and, and they wouldn't really get involved in the conversation they would just sort of listen to what was being said and yet this particular woman that is the, the one of the main characters of the story did more than just lean against the wall and listen into a conversation she actually gets involved she actually takes part in a way that probably does have Simon the Pharisee saying what in the world is she doing here? And what in the world is she doing? Uh, we don't know much about this woman. Luke describes her as a sinner. Uh, but he doesn't tell her tell us what her sin was. Maybe her sin was is that she liked to hold hands with boys that were not her boyfriend. Or maybe that wasn't this, her sin at all. Maybe the fact that Luke never tells us what this woman's sin is, is important because it's really not important what her sin was. 
The, the one thing that Luke does tell us about this woman is uh, that, that, that she came with an alabaster jar of ointment. We believe that it was expensive perfume and that she came there to anoint Jesus. But while she was standing behind Jesus, she began to weep. Perhaps she was weeping because she was mindful of her sinful past. Uh, perhaps she was weeping because she could feel the condemnation from all of those religious leaders that had gathered together in that room. Perhaps she was weeping because she had this awareness that the life that she'd always dreamed of having, the, the person that she dreamed of becoming, had never really materialized. Perhaps she was dreaming because she was at the end of her, weeping because she was uh, at the end of her rope. Perhaps she was weeping because she realized the extreme and extravagant sacrifice that she was about to make by taking what may have been her most precious possession, this alabaster jar of expensive perfume, and she was about to pour it all over Jesus. Or maybe she was weeping because she knew how she'd earned the money to buy that alabaster jar of ointment. We're not told why uh, she uh, was weeping, but maybe, just maybe, she was weeping because she'd already had an encounter with Jesus before this one. Maybe she was weeping because she had already had an encounter with Jesus where she realized how much Jesus loves her and how much Jesus was willing to forgive her. Her. I mean, she's in a room where people don't want to love her because of her past, and yet she knows that Jesus loved her in spite of her past. Maybe she's weeping because she's in a room full of people that don't want to love her because of, of the sin that she had done, and yet Jesus has shown her that He's willing to love her in spite of her sin. Maybe that's why she is weeping in the room that day. And meanwhile, Simon the Pharisee is just absolutely beside himself. He cannot believe that this woman has shown up. And not only has she shown up, but she's involved. She's distracting everybody. The religious conversation that was no doubt going to have to take place uh, that this woman is a sinner he he knows it uh, Luke knows it and Jesus ultimately will talk about how he knows it this woman is a sinner and and he is worried about that and she's done two things at this party that you're not supposed to do if you're a woman in Jesus day one she's let down her hair and the second thing that she's done is she's actually touched Jesus now, when you were married in this day, you, you put your hair up, you bound it up, and then you never were seen in public again with your hair not bound up and covered. 
And, and so here is a woman who has, who has let her hair down, which was considered a sensual act, which was considered entirely inappropriate for a married woman to do. Even if you didn't get married, by the time you were a grown woman, you were not supposed to see, allow your hair to be unbound, uh, allow your head to be uncovered. And then she also touched Jesus. You see, we know that she was a sinner. And, and because she was a sinner, there's a really good chance that she was also ritually unclean. And so if she was a sinner and she was ritually unclean and she touched Jesus, then she ran the risk of making Jesus ritually unclean and, and anybody else that Jesus might have touched. Here's the thing. Simon the Pharisee just can't understand why Jesus would allow this to happen. If Jesus really were a prophet, wouldn't he know that this woman was a sinner? Wouldn't he rebuke her from even trying to touch him? Wouldn't he order her to leave the room? That's what Simon is thinking in his mind. He doesn't really say it out loud. It's, it's this internal monologue that's going on inside his head. And, and even though he's concerned that Jesus apparently doesn't know that this woman is a sinner, we do learn that it, there is at least one thing that Jesus does know, and that he knows what Simon the Pharisee is thinking. He has this unique access into the heart of Simon the Pharisee, and he calls him on it. He tells a story. Now, some scholars say that this was a common occurrence in Jesus' day as well. Whenever you had a bunch of uh, religious leaders or political leaders together, that, that they would oftentimes pose riddles uh, to one another to, to have like a contest of wit and wisdom. And so Jesus begins to uh, tell a story uh, in, in the presence of Simon the Pharisee. It's about two people that owe a man a whole lot of money one owes about two months of a salary, and the other owes about two years of a salary, and neither one of them can pay their debt. Now, back in these days, if you couldn't pay your debt, you would be thrown into debtor's prison usually, and you would stay there until you could raise the money to pay off your debt, and then only then would you be let out of jail. But in the story that Jesus is telling, Jesus says that these two persons couldn't pay the man that they owed the money to, but that the man was willing to cancel and to forgive their debt. Such extravagant generosity. And, and, and then Jesus asks the question, which one of these two people do you think uh, loved this man that they owed the money the most. And, and then Simon said, well, probably the one who owed the most money. And Jesus affirmed him and says, you have gotten the answer correctly. It seems as if what Jesus, the real point that he was trying to make here is to not talk about the woman's sin what she'd done in her past, or what she was even doing in that room that evening. What Jesus' point here is, he wants to compare the mercy uh, of Simon the Pharisee's response to Jesus' love and mercy as compared to the woman's response to Jesus' love and mercy. 
And so Jesus begins to talk specifically to Simon the Pharisee. He says, you know what? When I showed up this evening, um, you didn't give me water to wash my feet. And yet this woman here has washed and bathed my feet with her tears. And when I showed up in your house tonight, Simon the Pharisee, um, you didn't uh, anoint my head with oil, and yet this woman has anointed my body with uh, an entire bottle of expensive perfume. And, and when I showed up in your house tonight, Simon the Pharisee, you didn't give me that uh, typical Middle Eastern greeting of kissing me on both cheeks. And yet this woman hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I was here. She responds in the way that she did, I think, because she has had an encounter with Jesus. She has become aware of just how much of a debt she has because of her sin. She has become aware of how much Jesus is willing to love and to forgive that debt for her. Instead of getting what she deserved, she was given mercy. She was giving love beyond reason. Jesus loves because of who we are. We are children of God. We are created in the image of God. But make no mistake about it. Jesus loves also in spite of. In spite of everything that we've ever done. Every sin we've ever created. Every mistake we've ever made. Jesus loves us not just because of who we are. Jesus loves us in spite of who we are. And I got to thinking about, do we really have an understanding of just how much, how undeserving we are of Jesus canceling the debt of our sin? I think this woman understood that. You know, it occurred to me that if we really did have an awareness of just how much our sin separates us from God and how uh, the links that God went to to erase that distance by sending Jesus, if we truly had an understanding of just how much we need God's mercy and how much we need God's love and how freely and willingly God is willing to give it, I'd never have to preach another stewardship sermon in my life. I mean, here's a woman who, who was so aware of, of, of God's love, of God's forgiveness, of God's mercy, that she brought the most expensive thing in all likelihood that she owned. And she gave every single bit of it. She poured it out extravagantly, extravagantly upon Jesus because Jesus had poured out His love and forgiveness so extravagantly upon you see Simon the Pharisee he, he's all aware of the because of love he thinks that, that Jesus loves him because he's a good Pharisee because he follows the law because he's devoted his life to trying to keep every single one of those commandments He's aware that Jesus loves us because of 
what Simon really doesn't understand or appreciate is the in spite of love. That Jesus loves us in spite of our past. In spite of our sin. He's so focused on the sin of the woman that he can't even see the sin in his own life. And I think the point Jesus wants to make here is that the more we understand mercy and forgiveness and love that is offered us by God, then the greater love we will have for God in response. That's the goal of this series that we're beginning today. Is to talk about a love beyond reason. We read about this love in the scripture. And so we, in some way, we know it in our head. But do we really know it in our heart? Are, are there people here this morning that could stand to be more mindful of, more aware of, just how much we need God's mercy, forgiveness, and love? And if we really understood how much we needed, wouldn't it create more love to God in response?